Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. In Daniel chapter number 2, verse number 1, the Bible says, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, um, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams within his spirit, was troubled, and his, and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to all the magicians and the astrologers and the, and the uh, sorcerers and the Chaldeans uh, for, to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. So we know the king was dreaming dreams. And um, uh, I told the kids this morning, I asked them to raise their hand, how many people dreams? And then how many people forget their dream before they wake up? I do that more than anything, especially when I feel like it's a good dream. Like I'm dreaming about eating something, and I'll forget what I was eating. And I'm like, dang on. Man, that was a good dream. I'll remember something like last night, I dreamed about the TV show PJ Mask at Colt Watches. The little kids, the little cat boy. I dreamed about that last night. I can remember that, but I can't remember the good ones. But anyway, uh, he dreamed dreams, and uh, he didn't know what his dream meant. He asked for interpreters to come in and, and to, to look at his dreams. And he asked all, what I, like I said this morning, all the smart people, all the people that's got a few letters before and after their name, he asked them to come in and, and interpret their dreams. And, and we know that we come to find out that I believe that... that even if they knew the dream, they weren't going to say nothing to him because they were afraid they would be wrong. And then we come down, and I'm going to skip way down because we don't have to read so much. But we find out that Daniel had a friend that came to, came to Nebuchadnezzar and said, Oh, Daniel can tell you about his dream. And I could imagine if I was Daniel, I'd have smacked his teeth down his throat. I'd have said, Keep your mouth shut, boy. Why are you telling me these things? Why? Don't, don't be telling him everything you know. You ever heard that before? And I believe that's what Daniel done. And Daniel said, uh, Daniel, in his strength at that point, he knew that he could not do what the king had asked him to do in his own strength. And he knew and he got, a little, he got nervous, I can imagine, what it was like as he was standing there in the flesh in front of the king. And then he, then he quotes verse number 28. And here's what the Bible says. But there is a God in heaven. <laughs> what a verse. But there is a God in heaven. And I want to I bring a thought. It's going to be very topical tonight. It's not, I'm not going to really dig. I'm going to dig in our Bible, but it's going to be very a topical message tonight on, but there is a God in heaven. Let us pray. Jesus, Lord, we thank you for what you do for us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for being God. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us, God, just to stand one more time behind this sacred desk, God, and thunder out the word of God, Lord. I'm begging you, God, to hide us behind the yoga cross tonight, God. Preach us like a dying man to a dying people, God. I pray, God, you'll use us tonight, God. We need you tonight, God. If you don't show up, God, we might as well as go home, God. And God, I pray, God, that you'll touch every word, God. God, as you gave me this, God, I pray, God, that I can deliver it, God, and it reach the heart of the listener tonight, God just as you let it reach mine, God. And I pray, God, that it'll help the one that's just this burden tonight, God. The one that comes here with a heavy heart tonight, God. The one that's in that dark place, God. The one that's, that's facing all, all that hell has to offer for him, God. And I pray, God, that you touch that one tonight, God, wherever they may be, God. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. There is a God in heaven. And I just want to tell you tonight, church, there is a God in heaven. Let me 
tell you, there's a God in heaven that's bigger than this coronavirus. There's a God in heaven that's bigger than any riot that can face this country. There's a, there's a, there's a God in heaven that's bigger than any president. There's a God of heaven that's bigger than any Illuminati. There's a God of heaven that is bigger than any one of us in here tonight. There is a God in heaven. And if you're wondering tonight what I'm going to preach about tonight, I'm going to preach on that there's a God in heaven tonight. There's a God in heaven. We see that da Daniel's, we see Daniel's inability. Daniel's inability. In, in chapter number one, Daniel's victory of the lion's den starts right here with one verse. And that is verse number eight of chapter one when it says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat. That was the moment that Daniel claimed victory in his life. He says, I'm not going to partake of the things of the world. I'm not going to partake the things of the king. I'm going to hold fast to the word of God and I'm going to stick fast and stick hard to the word of God and that's where I'm going to be at. He said, he put his foot down in eight short verses in his ministry. And if we're ever going to make it tonight, church, in anything that this world has to offer, we got to put our foot down. And we got to say right here, we, we got to do like the old bully, like we used to face them old bullies in the playground. Draw that line. It's all fun and games while you're on that line, but when you cross it, things about to get real. Things about to get real. You, you're about to toe the whooping. One of us is at least. We got to draw a line, church. It's our time to draw a line because there is a God in heaven. You can draw a line tonight because there's a God in heaven. Daniel could say, verse number 8, that he purposed in his heart because there was a God in heaven. He could do that. We see Daniel's interpretation. Dan Daniel trusted God. Daniel stood before the king, not in the, in the confidence in his own flesh, but in the confidence in God. He stood before him. Daniel was facing death had he been wrong to the king. He would have been facing death. And he'd be, he, he was looking for God of heaven to save his life. We see in this part of our Bible that Daniel noticed God in a time of interpretation. And in time of interpretation, God became real to Daniel. Daniel was facing an unfamiliar scenario or an unfamiliar surroundings. He is kind of like we are today. Everything that we do is new. The way we face this coronavirus, the way we've had to go to church, it's all new to us. Uh, our pastor has said before, if anybody has pastored a church during the pandemic, please step forward. You know, and nobody can because nobody has. It's, and that's what he means that. He's, he, he would want help if he had been, but he ain't got nobody to look to. Just having to go by trusting God because, because he can make the decision that he has made over the past few weeks. The reason he can do that, let me just tell you this, church, because there's a God in heaven. Because there's a God in heaven, he can, he can do that. That's why he's able to do that. It's an unfamiliar scenario, uh, uh, surroundings that he, went, he was in. The king didn't trust anyone, so he wanted to, uh, he didn't trust him. So he said, you know what, I'm not even going to tell you my dream. I'm not even going to tell you what the dream is. You've got to tell me what the dream was, and you've got to tell me what it, what it means. He was facing an impossible scenario. He was, it was impossible for Daniel or anybody else to figure out what was going on. It would take something from another world to help him. And church, if we're going to make it through this, it's going to take something from another world to get us through this. If, if, if we're going to see revival, if we're going to see another great awakening, it's going to take something from another world. And that world, it's not some, it's not some alien that's going to come land down on this earth. It's, it's more than that. It's, it's about a God that said, in the beginning, God... In the beginning, I created it all, is what he was saying there. He said, in the beginning, the one that spoke words and, and threw these cosmos out into millions of, of light years away, just threw them out in just a few words. That's where our strength is going to come from tonight. We'll know that he is a, 
Uh, he is a, uh, we see that it was, a, it was a unfamiliar surroundings. Then we see an unusual situation. It was an unusual situation. Well, <laughs> he just got thrown under the bus by his friends. You could say it like that. He just got thrown under the bus by his friends. It was an unusual uh, uh, situation. And then we see the unbelieving sinner. We see the unbelieving sinner, and that was the king. The king was unbelieving. That king didn't understand what Daniel was coming to him as. When he said, but there is a God in heaven, he had no clue what he was talking about. King Nebuchadnezzar, in just a few chapters, he realizes about that. When he throws Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into that fiery furnace, and he's sitting there gloating, got that chest stuck out. He's sitting there saying, I got him now. And he turns around and looks, and there's a fourth man in the fire. And that one was like unto the Son of God. He realized then who God was, but at this point in, 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 his, in his life, he had no idea who God was. So as Daniel stood before him, he said, tells him, he said, tell him a dream, and Daniel's like, I can't do it, but there's a God in heaven. And he didn't know what he was talking about. Oh, but Daniel knew what he was saying. Daniel knew what he was saying. We see the unfamiliar surroundings. We see the unbelieving, or we see the unusual situation. Then we see the unbelieving sinner, and then we see the undeniable statement. The undeniable statement, but there is a God in heaven. But there is a God in heaven. When it seems like all hope is lost, when it seems like there is nowhere to turn around, every time in our Bible there's a but God. There's a but God in our, in our Bible where it seems like there's, there's nowhere to turn. And you feel like your back's against the wall. There is a but God in our Bible. Look right here, Romans 8, 23. For the wages of sin is death. If you sinned, raise your hand. You've sinned at least one time in your life. Raise your hand. That's an impossible situation to be a part of. If you've sinned, the wages of sin, the Bible just said it right there, is death. You just told me that every one of you in here deserve death. What are you going to do about it? Wait, what does the Bible say? But, but, <laughs> but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin is impossible for us to get over. We'll never get over sin in our life. We'll never be able to do enough good in our life to overcome just a little white lie. Never. But God sent His Son that He loved me so much that He said, you know what? I don't care if they protest my death or not. I don't care if, if, if only one person comes to me and get, and get saved because I'm standing here on a cross, Jesus said, it's all right. I'll do it anyway. I'll do, he gladly came. It was his joy. The joy of the cross is what he talked about. And you look at the cross, you find any joy in that for Christ. It shows who he was. A lot of joy for us because it's our picture of salvation. It's our picture of what we have to have. But anyway, and then we see in Romans 5, 8, But God commanded his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Psalm 73, 26, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. These writers that wrote these words, these writers that penned these words down in our Bible that we can read today that we hold so precious in our hearts, the reason that they could write that words in their Bible is because there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven tonight, church. Church, if you didn't hear me, there's a God in heaven tonight. We should be standing on the pews tonight wondering about who is this God in heaven tonight? This God that I can put all my trust in. This God that I don't have to, I don't have to worry about dying. I don't have to worry about what this world has to offer. I don't have to worry what's around that next corner because there is a God in heaven tonight, church. There's a God in heaven tonight. In that statement, we see the person of the statement. 
We see the person of that statement, but there is a God. The person in that statement, there's only one person mentioned, and that's that dear little Lamb of God, that God that created it all, the one that loved us, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, the one that was and the one that is and that one that will be, the one that created that just loved me enough that when I was a six-year-old little boy, he said, I choose you, Heath Reese. And I said, I'll accept that free gift. He said, I choose you. And if you're saved tonight, that's the same God that chose you. Dr. S.M. Lockridge said it like this. He said, my king's a sovereign king. No means of measure can describe his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into the coastline of his endless supply. He, he, uh, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's internally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Uh, he's the greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a senior savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's the unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He is the highest personality in philosophy. He is the fundamental doctrine of truth theology. He is the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. He's wonderful. He supplies the strength to the weak. He is available to the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives the sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feebles. He believes the young. He deserves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. He beautifies the meek. Um, he's the key of knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He is the roadway of righteousness. He is the highway of holiness. He is the gateway of glory. What is his life? His matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His words is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you, but church, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's irresistible. He's altogether lovely. He is your friend. He is my friend. He is the friend of the Old Testament. He is the friend of the New Testament and he loves me still, no matter how much I sin. That's Jesus. That's who the statement was about. We see the place of the statement. We see the place of the statement. The place of the statement. For there is a God in heaven. For there is a God in heaven. Heaven is a sweet place. Oh, heaven is a sweet place. There's loved ones that's gone on before me that have outrun me in this race. Oh, heaven is sweet tonight. Heaven got a little sweeter the past couple of weeks for us. Not a lot of people know the story of what my, me and my wife has faced over the last few weeks. But she has lost a baby. And, and, and we, 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 we know heaven's got a little sweeter. You know, the reason I can stand here with that confidence tonight, church, is because there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven that loves me. There's a God in heaven that loves you. There's a God in heaven that loves my little boy. And there's a God in heaven tonight that is holding my sweet baby tonight until I get there. Oh, there's a God in heaven tonight church I love him tonight church there's a God in heaven we can sit here all night and talk about how good God is because there is a God in heaven tonight church amen tonight that place of heaven heaven's so sweet there's no more pains there's no more sicknesses there's no more sorrows there's no more goodbyes there's only that sweet by and by that we get to see hanging out with Jesus hanging out in that precious that precious all oh, that precious that precious moments with Jesus that we get to share down here in our prayer closets. We just get to look up and there He is. Oh, heaven is sweet tonight. We see the place of the statement and then we see the power of the statement. Oh, there is a God in heaven tonight, church. Whatever you're going through tonight, I can stand right here with the utmost confidence that if you come to Him, there is a God in heaven that loves you. There's a God in heaven that loves you. He is a God through interpretation.
But let's move on. In Exodus 14, we learn that he is a God in a time of termination. In a God of termination. Pharaoh was after the children of Israel. Pharaoh was going to kill him. He wanted to eliminate his enemy. He wanted to eliminate his... They were not even... They had no weapons. They were innocent. They didn't like because they served God. They'd rather serve God than serve man. And Pharaoh run them out of Egypt. And Pharaoh run them to a place, as we all know, the Red Sea. Where they were stuck between a rock and a hard place. They were stuck where they had mountain on one side, unway un- to travel on another. And then they had Pharaoh who was behind them, who was bearing down on them. And they were stopped. And they felt like there was no way to go. But there was a man of Moses who knew that there was a God in heaven. He didn't turn around and say, men, let's build a bridge over this. Nah. He didn't even take the time to try to figure out he could get in his own power. As he's seen all the people struggling to even, they were doubting. The people were, the Israelites, they were doubting. But Moses, he just turned and just done exactly what God told him to do. And the water, we know the story, the water split. And they walked across on dry ground. Not in the strength of man, but because there is a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven that tonight, if you're facing termination, what seems like you're facing, like you're about to be eliminated, the enemy is bearing down on you, and it seems like he's going to overtake you. Let me tell you, he will in your strength. But there's a God in heaven tonight, church. There's a God in heaven that can come to you right where you're at tonight. And all you got to do is give it to him and let him take lead. There's a God in heaven through termination. They were stuck between a rock and a hard place. They were stuck facing termination. But there's a God in heaven. We see in 1 Kings 17, we see God in the time of starvation. God in the time of starvation. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, That's Elijah, Arise and get thee into Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So, she arose, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering, gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee. Um, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but I had a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in the cruise. And behold, I am, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. And for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the, to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did a cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which is spake by Elijah. She was a God during starvation. The woman was fixing to go and give her last little bit to the man of God. She said, I'm going to make this, and then we're going to go die. We're going to make this and we're going to go starve to death. Oh, but there's a God in heaven tonight. There's a God in heaven tonight that when she was at the bottom of her barrel, she was, she was reached as far down as she could dig. She reached down to the, I believe she'd even busted the bottom of the barrel out to make sure she'd get enough meal to make this happen. She probably even turned the barrel over, turned it upside down to get every bit of that out. 
She knew that this was it. But there was a God in heaven and she fed for many days. She fed for many days. There's a, he was a God during, inter, during a time of interpretation. He was a God during a time of, of, of termination. He was a God during a time of starvation. And church, may I say this right here. May I say this right here. He is a God during a time of devastation. He, he is a God during a time of devastation. If you get a chance, you should read Psalms 88. Psalms 88, I've called it this, my personal, my personal verse or a verse chapter of Psalms that is this I'm not feeling it Psalm I'm not feeling it Psalm reason I say that is because you read most of your Psalms most of them I'd say 70-80% of them they start out with doom and gloom and end in victory they start out with the psalmist being sad and they end in victory. A good songwriter will write a song that starts out sad and may work its way up to a good high point of that song and then hammer home with one good verse well that verse is never found in Psalms 88 that, 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 that word from God that in the time of devastation when you're feeling that time of loss when the time you're asking God for something and he doesn't say nothing we all can be there I can say I have in the past few weeks I can say that I've asked God why God, why does my wife got to go through this? Why does my family got to go through this? My son is two years old he don't even understand why does he got to go through this? God never answered my psalm started out in gloom and ended in gloom. Um, we see in this psalm, Psalms 88, I ain't going to take time to turn over there, but in Psalms 88 it starts out with a hopeful title. It starts out with a hopeful title. It says, O Lord God of my salvation. And that is so true because He is a God of our salvation. He is a God of our salvation. It starts out with a hopeful, a hopeful title. The psalmist um, had heard. And he may have even heard stories and read stories of how God met the needs of individuals. Had met the need. He probably even read prior psalms that had been written. written and he had, he, had, he had probably read them and said, God, you've helped this person. Look at the victory you allowed them to claim. And he's looking for it right here. He says, oh God of, thy, of, thy salva of my salvation. We see the hopeful, the hopeful title and then we see the hurting psalmist. We see the hurting psalmist. He's hurting here. He says, he says words like this. I have cried day and night before thee. My soul is full of troubles. My heart draweth nigh unto the grave. He was wanting to die. He was wanting to just throw in the towel. He was wanting to quit. He says, I have counted with them that go down into the pit. Free among the dead. That's some of the words he says during that psalm. Very gloom and doom psalm. And there is never a high point in that psalm where it's great. So we see the hopeful title. We see the hurting psalmist. And then we see the halting psalmist. We heard our preacher preach a message. I believe it was Psalms 32 where he preached on the sea laws of the psalm. I don't know if y'all remember that that message he preached that. Maybe in 33. It's somewhere in there in the book of Psalms. He preached on those pauses where the songwriter just says hold on a second. Let's read what just happened. Right in the middle of Psalms 88 there's a pause. And there's times folks that we're going to have to pause and say man that was hard. That was rough. That was whew. And I, I can tell you right now, I ain't trying to bat a pity party. I don't want a pity party. I'm not asking for a pity party. But I'm here to tell you in the past two weeks, there's been times where I said, God, when's this going to end? God, when's the hurt going to go away? God, when, 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 when is this just going to be over with? I had to take a time and stop. He needed to rest here and there was a time for rest. We see the hopeful title. We see the hurting psalmist. And then we see the halting psalmist. But at the end of the psalm, 
Though there is not a victory verse given there. Oh, but, but there's not a time where Jesus, where the psalmist says, and God came to me and gave me this, 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 and this. No, but what does he do at the end of the chapter? He says, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, the psalmist never forgot who his Lord was. He never turned his back on God. He never got, he never got bitter toward God. He said, I'm going to take my bitterness and turn it into being better. I'm not going to sit here and let you get me down, devil. Devil, because you know the devil was on his back. I'm here to tell you, in times of devastation, the devil will jump on you, pounce on you, and say, quit and give up. And you'll want to. But there's a God in heaven that says you can't. There's a God in heaven that gives you the strength to go on. There's a God in heaven that you can lean your worries on, that you can lean your cries on, that you, when there's nobody else around, when there's nobody else that can seem to help you, when there's nobody else that seems that they even want to help you, but there is a God in heaven, and He loves you tonight, church. There is a God in heaven. It started with, O Lord, and it ended with, O Lord, because there's a God in heaven. We see... This kind of goes along with that point. He's not only a God in times of interpretation. He's a God in a time of, of starvation. A God in the time of termination. A God in the times of devastation. But He's also a God in the times of resignation. There's times I want to quit. I'm here to tell you, through this coronavirus, there's times I want to just throw in a towel and be done. There's times I said, Lord, this is never going to end. This is what life's going to be like. I just want to throw in a towel and quit. Lord, just come back. I'm done. Oh, but there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven when people turn against us, but there's a God in heaven. When we're being mocked, but there's a God in heaven. When we're being made fun of, oh, but there's a God in heaven. When we're the only one, it seems like that cares. Oh, but there's a God in heaven. When it seems like you want to throw in the towel, oh, but there's a God in heaven. There was a man in our Bible that wanted to quit. His name was Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he wanted to throw in the towel. He wanted to give it up. He said, I'm done, God. I'm done with it. I want to throw it in. Here's my Bible. I quit. Oh, but there was a burning fire deep in his bones that said he can't quit. And church, that burning fire that rests in his bones is the same, God, is the same burning fire that rests in my bones tonight that says, no matter what you go through, you can't quit. You can't give up. There's a generation that needs to hear the gospel. There's some little one behind you that's coming up that needs to hear the gospel. There's family members that need to hear the gospel. There is a God in heaven tonight, church. There's a God in heaven. We see that He's a God during times of in interpretation. We see that He's a God during times of termination. We see that He's a God during times of starvation. We see He's a God during times of devastation. We see He's a, a God during times of resignation. And then we see He's a God during a time of annihilation. He's a God during a time of annihilation. There's a man in our Bible in Kings, 2 Kings, by the name of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, y'all know the story? Y'all know the story of Hezekiah. I ain't giving you nothing new tonight, church. I'm just reminding you of a few things. I'm reminding you during these hard times that there is a God in heaven. I don't want you to think that I'm trying to give you some great things. I'll even say this right here. This is the first time I can say I preach and I preach somebody else's outline. I heard this message preached the other day and it's like God rung my bell and he said, you're preaching this Sunday night. And I'm like, God, I didn't, you, I didn't write it down. He said, hush, you're preaching it Sunday night. And then I, okay. One of them times you just, I mean, it was that clear. It was like he sat down with me and made it that clear because I wanted to preach something else. The kids, y'all know I've been, where y'all, some of y'all think, y'all know I've been in the book of Deuteronomy. And I really wanted to come about in Deuteronomy and go to Kardesh Barnea and how Kardesh Barnea, Barnea is a choice ground. And we got to make choices, a crossroads. We, that's what I wanted to preach on. But God said, no, this is where you're at. 
So I'm not giving you nothing new tonight, church. There's nothing new under the sun that I can give you. But I just want to remind you some things. He is a God during the time of annihilation. Hezekiah was the king of Israel. Hezekiah was the king of Israel during a time where it seems like uh, during the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles that you heard this statement a lot. And they done evil in the sight of God. Read Kings and Chronicles. A bunch of times in Kings and Chronicles. How many times, Matt, you, you, you've read through there. I know you have. There's a bunch of times you hear, and this king done, done evil in the sight of God. And this king done evil in the sight of God. And this king done evil in the sight of God. And this king done evil in the sight of God. And Hezekiah stuck right in the middle of it. Hezekiah, he wasn't a perfect man. But I know of a time when he realized there's a God in heaven. The Assyrian army had bared down on him. And I think it's very interesting, and I'll talk about this a little bit more at the end, about the history of the battle that took place right here. The Assyrian army was taking their army and they were annihilating everything inside. They were, they were, they were, they, they weren't even taking their times with the wife and kids. They were just killing them dead on the spot. They, 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 when they'd go through a town, they would destroy them all. And they had sent letters ahead to Jerusalem and say, we're on our way. There's 185,000 of us. You're outnumbered two to one, three to one. I don't even know what it was, but you're outnumbered by a lot. You will be destroyed. We have this many, this much artillery and you will die. Hezekiah just says, oh, but there's a God in heaven. And then they come again with another letter. And he takes that letter and he says, oh, but there is a God in heaven. And they come and make fun of me. And I'm not going through it exactly right, but they come to him again. Well, eventually he does this right here. He says, all right, big boy, I had enough. He takes that letter and he goes into his prayer closet. And he lays it out before God. And he says, God, looky here. Look what they're wanting to do. He said, oh, God in heaven, look right here what they're fixing to do. And in one night, the death angel swept by that Assyrian army. And 185,000 men in one night dropped dead. There was never one artillery fired from the Jerusalem watch post. There was never one man that slipped through and poisoned their water in the middle of the night. It was a power from another world. A power from God Almighty Himself. He sent and said, you will win this battle, Hezekiah. You will win. This is your battle and you're going to win because there is a God in heaven. You study that out today and read your history books about it. That, uh, the, the general of that army was not there that day because he would have died. He was not there. For some reason. But he wrote in his, in his personal articles and just happened to leave out facing Jerusalem. You explain to me how you leave out losing 185,000 men. But there's remnants. They found. They, archaeologists have found where the battle took place. And they just fell over dead. God killed that army. And I think it's something to say. You better be careful messing with the people of God. You better be careful messing with the man of God. God will strike you dead. It's what he done to them right there. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. He changeth not. He's a God during times of interpretation. He's a God during times of, of, of termination. He's a God during times of starvation and resignation and annihilation and all the other actions you can think of. He is a time of a God. He's a God during a time of isolation. Just ask John the, or John the Beloved on the island of Patmos. Just ask him. He was out there all by his lonesome. He was out there probably scared to death. You ever been in the dark by yourself before? And on nights where the moon wasn't shining that bright, it gets a little spooky. It gets a little scared. Oh, but there's a God in heaven that sat down with John and revealed to him the entire book of Revelation. Revealed to him the second coming of the king. Revealed to him the glorious victory over Satan. It revealed to him the, the, the chaining and the throwing into, the, on the, in the, into the, uh, the lake of fire of Satan. Oh, what he got to see in that moment of what he thought was isolation. When he was out there all by himself. 
And it seemed like nobody else cared. Oh, but there's a God in heaven tonight that cared for John. There was a God in heaven tonight that cared for God. You see, there's a God during times of isolation. Then we see he's a God during times of condemnation. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Condemnation right here means the verdict. So there is no verdict that can be against a saved person. If you're here tonight, it don't matter what sin you've done. It don't matter. It don't matter how wicked of a person you really are. Because if we've committed one sin, we've committed them all. So we're just as guilty as a murderer on the street. Just as guilty as that cop that killed that man. We're just as guilty as he is because all that boils down is sin. And we're all guilty of it. We deserve condemnation. But guess what? There's a God in heaven that says, no, you don't. No, you don't. The, the, the lawyers are against us. Satan and his lawyers that he wants are against us. Oh, but there's a God in heaven tonight, folks. There's a God in heaven that says, he's innocent. He's innocent tonight. When God looks on me, as imperfect as I am, at how many times I failed God in my life down here in just 28 short years, how many times I failed Him, Gavin, I couldn't even number it the number of times. Oh, but there's a God in heaven that says, Oh, it's as if you've never sinned. It's as if you've never sinned. It's a clean slate when He looks at me. I don't get it, Gavin. I don't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it. Oh, but there's a God in heaven that says I love you. And I'm thankful for that tonight. There is, he was a God during the times of condemnation. Look at this right here. There, that verse right there, Romans 8, 1, it reveals to us our greatest enemy. Our greatest enemy is sin and death, our flesh, our desires. That's our biggest enemy. It, it also reveals our greatest escape. He reveals our greatest escape. Our escape is Jesus, is Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not His Son to the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Might be saved. The reason He said might right there is because it's your choice. Folks, tonight, if you're not saved, and you don't know about this God in heaven tonight, tonight to get to know Him. He's sitting up here waiting for you. If you could see Him tonight, He's sitting up here with open arms. And He's saying, just come here. It's a free gift. It won't cost you a dime. It won't cost you anything. Just come to me tonight. He's begging you tonight, church, to come to Him and say, oh, what that, what, what that old fat preacher's talking about right there. You can know about the God in heaven. That God in heaven is real as it is to Him. He can be that real to you tonight, church. But you got to be saved. We see our greatest escape, and then we see our greatest encouragement. Our freedom over the enemy. Our freedom over the enemy. Let me just read it one more time. There is now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Whew, what a verse. We see that he's, not, he's a God <laughs> during the prevention of tribulation. He's a God during the prevention of tribulation. You know, church, in Revelation chapter number 4, let me just read it to you. Revel, we got time. It's only 7.01. After this I looked, and behold, a door was open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet, talking to me, which said, Come up hither, and when I shoot, when I shoo thee things, and, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And, and immediately I was in the spirit, and beheld a throne was in the side of heaven. One sat on the throne, and he said, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a, and a, and a, and a, and a, a sardine stone. And there was a, a, a rainbow around about the throne in the side like unto an emerald. And around about the throne was four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting there, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their 
heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceedeth lightnings and thunders and voices. And there were seven lamps of burning uh, fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto a crystal. And in the midst of the throne was round about uh, was a four, uh, round about the throne was four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion. And the second beast was like a calf. And the third beast had a face of a man. And the fourth beast was like a, uh, was like a like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had been had each of them six wings about them. And they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and which is to come. And when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to Him, they sat on a throne who liveth forever and ever. That's what heaven's like tonight, folks. If you was wondering what it was like, it's holy, holy, holy. Holy tonight. Whew. He is the one more and we're done. He is a God through the time of revelation. He is a God through a time of revelation. Psalms twenty two twelve. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with thee, to give thee every man according to his work shall be. Verse 13. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and end, the first and the last. Now that verse right there should mean more to you than anything. These are some of the last words in our Bible that is spoke by Jesus Christ himself. And what does he say? He said what I just told you a few minutes ago. I am Alpha and Omega. That ain't me telling you this. Alright, that ain't me saying, go, if you got a red letter edition Bible, it's written in red right there. That's Jesus Christ. That's not even John speaking. That's Jesus himself speaking to you. And he's saying, oh, but there is a God in heaven. There's some terrible times this world's going to see. There's God that you could say this right here. We ain't seen nothing yet. We ain't seen nothing yet. Oh, but there is a God in heaven that says He knows past time, present time, future time, all at the same time. And that's God tonight. Would you come get us a verse of some song? Church, I'm here to tell you there's a God in heaven tonight. If I'd been helped by anything else I've studied in my entire life, anything that this Bible has ever given me, it was this, it was, it was this, it was this message right here. Because there is a God in heaven tonight, church. I think we need to plaster it all over Facebook. I think we need to plaster it all over our cars. I think we need to just let it gleam out of us that there is a God in heaven tonight, church.